2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
3: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Kyle
4: Shanahan talking after the NFC Championship win over the Lions about being down big at halftime and how they responded. Uh, We will continue to talk about lessons learned, not just from this weekend, but the season as a whole throughout the show here on BetQL Daily alongside Aaron Hawksworth and Joe Ostrowski. I'm Chris Mack welcoming you back into BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM live coast to coast on your Odyssey app and the BetQL network. Uh, In one hour from now, take a look at college hoops because we've got a couple big games tonight and a couple of big losses over the weekend. We're just 50 days now, 55-0 until the first day of the NCAA tournament and the first four. But uh, we just got done excoriating Dan Campbell, and that might have not have even been the worst coaching job of the weekend. We bring in our Odyssey NFL insider, Jason LaConfora, Confora, and let's start in your backyard, Jason. The job Todd Munkin did or did not do with that Ravens <laughs> offense against the Chiefs defense and never really got going. And they blow their shot at their first AFC championship game hosted at M&T Bank Stadium. They blow their shot during a Lamar MVP season. And they'll be sitting home now while the Chiefs head off to another Super Bowl.
5: Yeah, I I mean, look, there were so many different ways that they could have, I believe, exploited the Chiefs defense. Um, At least areas that were worthy of attempting to exploit And the Chiefs were horrible against runs out of 11 personnel over five yards of carry, um, light boxes with three wide receivers and Lamar in the speed game with Justice Hill. Um, the Chiefs were one of the worst teams defending runs out of 21 personnel with a fullback, two backs, um, one tight end. The Ravens have a dominant 330 pound fullback and Pat Ricard. Um, they ran five times the entire game out of 21 personnel, uh, No running back, carried the ball even four times. There was one sequence the entire game. Like, Todd Munkin honestly should get a game ball from the Chiefs. Like, Todd Munkin (laughs) and Steve Spagnuolo together, like, they should share that game ball. There was one time the entire game where Ravens running backs, the whole running back room, where Ravens running backs touched the ball on consecutive plays. It was the third quarter back-to-back screen passes to Justice Hill. Lamar Jackson never handed the ball off two straight plays, not to the same running back, to any running backs. It never happened. It never happened. Josh Allen and the Bills just ran for 182 on these guys. Like, it's amazing. Like, they can't really stop the run. There's no really gay to spy Lamar. They were, you know, they're a lighter team up front. One of their nose tackles isn't playing in the game. The defensive ends are 250 pounds. Why would you want to? And you run the ball on everybody. Why would you want to try it? No, this is the week to see if Brock Purdy can scramble better than Lamar Jackson.
0: (laughs) Make no sense. And then for the entire week. He's hearing how he's basically a genius because of the way that they adjusted just one week ago. The Texans were blitzing much more than he's ever seen. And then you just don't make the proper adjustments. And this is just obvious stuff. This is what everybody was pointing to. Just as betters, we were doing, I'm sure you were doing the same thing. Okay, we know they're going to run. They're going to be able to run all day. It's the Chiefs' weakness. It's just a matter of which backs are going to get it, not if any backs are going to get it, how many backs are going to get it, and how many are going to clear their props, and we didn't see any of it. And then you saw, Jason, the stupidity by players like Zay Flowers at times. I'm sitting there wondering, are, are the Chiefs just in some of these AFC contenders' heads
5: like the Bills? Well, look, you have to play your best game to beat them, even if it's not their best version of themselves. And and again, it's not the best offensive version of the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes era, for sure. But in their totality, when you factor in defense, and the amazing thing is Andy Reid ran the ball 24 times with the greatest quarterback in NFL history, and those runs went nowhere. But you know why he did it? Because it made sense to manage the game to do it. Because you're just keeping the defense out there. You're showing some stick-to-itiveness. You're making them respect it. And you got your two early scoring drives, and now you're going to dictate the game. Like, the fact that he stuck to the run repeatedly with Pacheco when you knew it was going nowhere, and Todd Monkey never even found out if Gus Edwards could have had a game. Like, never even wanted to find out if Justice Hill could have had an explosion run. Why even bother? Forget about it.
2: Now let's throw it 40 times.
5: Both our tackles are, you know, are, 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 look, the right tackle is not a starting right tackle in this league anymore, pass protection wise, and he's hurt. And they've been rotating left tackles and right tackles for a month. It's clear they got a tackle problem. So yeah, let's throw it 40 times on a day where they're getting beat. And Lamar decides he wants to hold the football and not move up the pocket and run. Yeah. Our response to that isn't to get down and dirty and play more option football. It's to keep letting him drop back and hold the ball for four and a half seconds. Like okay. I mean, it's We're, one way to do it. Like, like all they needed, honestly, this was a day where if you manage the end of the first half correctly, where they got the ball with 247, right? Um, they haven't run it all day. It's like, well, you at least bleed the clock enough, right, running the ball, that Mahomes can't score at the end of the half. They don't do that, then the defense gives them three points. They still only score 17, right? So this was a day where four field goals and one touchdown should have been enough. Really, three field goals and one touchdown, if you don't give them the three at the end of the first half, wins you the game. And they call the game as if they were—they started the, 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 the opening snap down 21-0, right? Like the way he called this game was like they came in down 21 and they're chasing the game. Like its it's complete jackassery.
1: Where do the Ravens go from here? I know Mike McDonald, uh, it seems like the Seahawks could be waiting on him, perhaps the Commanders. Where do you think um, the pieces fall there?
5: Well, um, the Seahawks should hire him, and the fact that they haven't hired Mike Vrabel or Dan Quinn yet, right, and they could have hired them at any point the last couple of weeks. They're waiting for somebody, and everybody thinks Ben Johnson's going to Washington, so the Seahawks should hire Mike McDonald. Um, he, he's he's any everything you could hope for. I mean, his his two years running Baltimore's defense couldn't, I mean, he's the real deal. Uh I would think they would hire Denard Wilson, who's interviewing for everybody's defensive coordinator job, one of the Raven's secondary coaches, like who Howie Roseman should have kept in-house last year as his defensive coordinator instead of going down that whole road, you know, thinking they had Fangio and then bring it in to side. like they should, they should give Denard Wilson the job today. Like if Mike McDonald's flying out there or you think McDonald's taking the job, or if he tells you, Hey, if they offer me this, I'm taking it. Like Denard, Hey, Denard, you're our guy. I mean, that, that's, that makes all the sense in the world. Um, and, you know, they also have Anthony Weaver, their defensive line coach who's doing a bunch of interviews. Um, one of those two, is the next defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, where do they go from here? <laughs> they still need wide receivers, go figure. Um, I was just looking <laughs> up Odell Beckham's numbers. Like Odell Beckham showed up for one month this season, November. He had a really good November. He was hurt in September. He was reha you know, he was half hurt in October, and he did nothing after Thanksgiving. So he clearly hit the wall. You know, that ship is sailed. Rashad Bateman is not a he's never gonna be an impact football player here. You know, it's kind of what, what it used to be. Right. It it was like, you know, the one wide receiver, like Marquise Brown, I mean, say flowers way better than Marquise Brown. He's not much bigger than Marquise Brown. Like they kind of got limited on the outside. Again, they needed, they need, you know, they need to draft tackles. Um, You know, Jadavion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy, even if they run them back, are they going to get the kind of seasons they got this year out of them again next year? You know, I think that's really tempting fate. Like, Adafi Owe, David Ajabo, like one of them better be a pass rusher. Like one of them better be a thing. Um, But look, they'll win a lot of games. They always win a lot of games. I don't know if they'll get a better shot than this, though. Championship game at home and you hold Mahomes to 17 points and you don't even come really close to winning, not good enough.
4: Yeah, I want to get into the coaching carousel stuff in a couple of minutes, Jason, but let's flip to the NFC side and curious what your thoughts were Maybe not on the first fourth down attempt, fourth and three, uh, but a chance to go up by three scores there. And on the second fourth down attempt, chance to take the lead. Uh, in, in my opinion, with there's, it's not just on Dan Campbell, but when his team started to falter in the second half, when you see footballs being dropped or Gibbs putting one on the ground or you see the Niners starting to hit some rhythm and find some chemistry and get moving, that's when, in my opinion, the head coach, has to be the one to put the hands at 10-2 and two and sort of steer into the skid and calm things down instead of just bl- continuing to be blindly aggressive because that's just what he's done all year. Um, I do put a lot of last night on Dan Campbell. I'm curious what your
5: opinion is on it. Uh, it's, it's, look, I hated the Amon Ross St. Brown play call, but the inside run with Amon Ross St. Brown had a shotgun on the third and four there made no sense to me. And the only reason it made sense is if you're softening them up for some other run play that you really love. You've got a lot of different ways you can run the ball. Taking your smallest, you know, one of your smaller receivers and running them inside, I'm I'm like, eh. But look, Reynolds has got to catch that ball. Reynolds got to catch the other ball. Like, I hear what you're saying, but, like, what if they miss a field goal? which is not out of the out of the realm of possibility especially for their kicker who's not great and is a dome kicker outside like if he misses the field goal right that's just the momentum keeps rolling for San Francisco not trying the 47 yarder i felt like that that's where i started to be like okay you did take the field goal at the end of the first half and now's another chance if you gave him 17 yards cuz he misses then you gave him 17 yards but i think you had to try to get back the points there. And so that, that was the one where I, I guess I most disagreed. It is still in character. I understand what he was trying to do. Um, Like why you're running the ball on third and goal. That, that, that blew my mind. Like you're wasting a timeout. And like, what, what like what was that? Like to me, some of the third down play calling with Ben Johnson in the second half, I'm like a little too cute. Um. Mm-hmm. They should have won the game. They, they had an opportunity to win the game and close the game out. But, like, Jameer Gibbs fumbling on first down. Like, he fumbled on the first play of that drive. Yeah. Like, they might have had a six-minute drive in them right there, right, where they just controlled the clock and methodically ran the ball in them. We'll never know. He fumbled on the first play of the drive. The Brandon Ayuk play, come on. I mean, sometimes it's like there's an element of luck here. Like, this isn't scripted. It's not. It's not. It looks like it is sometimes. It's not. <laughs> Like, you know, how that ball isn't intercepted or doesn't land on the ground, you know? Like, it, it, it's a marvel of, I guess, physics, right? But it happened, and Ayuk was alert and made, you know, made a play. But, like, people are telling me Brock Purdy's all, like, oh, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy. That was an interception. If he throws the pick there, literally people are like, can you get Sam Darnold in the game? Like, that's what it was. He didn't make a great pass. It was a horrible pass. It was completely overthrown. He hit the DB in the hands. It turned into a reception. Now Brock Purdy, oh, oh, don't you knock second half Brock Purdy. I'm going to fade his ass again in the Super Bowl, I guarantee you. <laughs> I made money off the interception. He should have thrown two. Like, if you, have, you take Brock Purdy. He's all yours. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes. I'll keep making money with Patrick Mahomes. Have Brock Purdy. Have him. He's yours.
0: So, uh, yeah, that's where I was going next. What do you think about that? Purdy opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Over Mahomes, that's, it's already down to one. You think the Chiefs get are going to end up being favored? plus money on the
5: Chiefs while you still can. You can still find it plus 102 and plus 100 at some places. Do it now because by the time you finish eating your lunch, it won't be there. So <laughs> that would be my advice is I hope you okay. jumped them late last night with me. And if you have it, get it on now. Get the plus money for the Chiefs while it's still there. You know, San Francisco since week eight, like, is five and nine against the, the number like they've covered five times. To- I'm sorry. Five times since week six, they've covered five times since week six. There's like four teams that have covered less than them since week six, Atlanta, the jets, the chargers. I'm forgetting somebody. There's three teams with four covers and then one with three might've been Washington. That's it. And obviously San Francisco's had more of a chance to, to do it. Right. Cause they're in the playoffs and all those teams were eliminated by Thanksgiving. Like, just let you know, since week six, they're five and nine covering, and we've just seen Andy Reid continue to like make people money on the money line.
4: Real quick, Jason, before we let you run, I'll give you like thirty seconds. Um, is it a, a a done deal that we're not going to see Vrabel or Belichick land anywhere?
5: Uh, yeah, I, I don't see, I don't see it happening again. I mean, could could Seattle turn back to Vrabel? I mean, they could. It would be rather odd given, again, they could have hired him at any point in this process. I mean, maybe if these other guys do something crazy in their interviews. but yeah. And the Belichick thing, I've I told you guys all along, I've been telling you all along, yeah. it's not, it wasn't happening. Yeah. He's going to be a football czar or he'll go do TV or whatever. Great stuff
4: as always. JLC, Jason Lockett for our Odyssey NFL Insider. We appreciate the time, man. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks, guys. He's just as fired up about Todd Munkin and the Ravens as some of us are about Dan Campbell and the Lions. How about the NBA? A wild week last week. Firings and hirings. Four players more than 60. Two of them hit 70. We break it all down and look at tonight's card. Maybe even another peek at that MVP future burning a hole in your back pocket as well. All coming up next right here on BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. We talk college hoops at the top of the hour, a couple of big losses over the weekend, and one conference in particular that has jumped out ahead of some others, perhaps unexpectedly, just 50 days until the first four in Dayton. We are really hitting the stretch run here in college basketball. Also in the final hour, some lessons learned from this year, both regular season and the playoffs across the NFL. It is BetQL Daily, live coast to coast on the BetQL Network, wherever you may be in the world. On your Odyssey app, A U D A C Y. It's free. Download it. Take us with you wherever you're going. And don't forget whatever you may miss during our three hours, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern every day. You can download wherever you get your podcasts later on today, including in your Odyssey app. Alongside Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth, I am Chris Mack. And four times last week, we got those big numbers in the NBA Carl Anthony Towns, 62, and a loss, albeit to the Hornets of all people last Monday, but 62 nonetheless. The same night, Joel Embiid hit 70. And then a couple nights later, Friday night, Luka Doncic, 73. Devin Booker, 62 as well on Friday night. Also in an underwhelming loss for the Suns, but mm-hmm. guys hitting big numbers. It's the first time in the history of the NBA that four different players have gone for 60 plus in a game in a five night span. So, Maybe it's a little early edition this week, guys, of trend or truth. Is this something we expect to happen more often down the stretch? Or is it, is it kind of like what we talked about with Carl Anthony Towns last week? Is this sort of silly season, especially for teams feeling like they're in a good spot in the standings who look at it and say, hey, if we got a night in the middle of January to help our star player go off, maybe we lean into that. Um, Joe, is this, should we expect more of these huge nights down the stretch?
0: Scoring is just off the charts, and I'm not mm-hmm. talking about just the star players. It's it, and it makes perfect sense when you look at the games that that we're referencing. What teams are getting to one thirties, one forties? It's crazy. But is that happening everywhere? No, it's not. Um, the pace and some of the offensive efficiency that we've seen some from some teams is just. I don't know the little care on the defensive end most coaches will tell you defense is effort, and I agree in most situations. So we are, for the most part, in the dog days right now, and you're just kind of waiting until football wraps. Then we'll be closer and closer to the, the end of the NBA regular season. It feels like the effort is not there on the defensive end. Obviously, the shot-making at an all-time high, it's the best we've ever seen. Like I grew up watching Michael Jordan, but I understand he did not play in the best era. Like there are things that we loved about that era, but no, the the skill level, the talent on offense compared to like the 90s and early 2000s, it's not even close right now with what we're seeing. More to come, uh, I don't think so, but like we are in that range where um, teams are on a nightly basis. You're going to see someone get to 130, 140. So, I mean, that's, that's when it tends to pop. I'm, I'm amazed that we, that we even saw it four times last week.
3: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes.
1: I know. When we saw it the first two times, I was like, all right, I'm backing off. But then it was almost like, are these star players getting FOMO? Like, see, he got his. Like, I'm hot. I want to get mine now. I don't want to be left out of the headlines. Um, And then it just kept going. So I don't know. You would think it would trickle off eventually. Also, as we head towards playoffs, will teams start to focus on defense a little bit more? I mean, we really haven't seen it much, but you would think it would become a little bit of a priority soon
4: hopefully for some teams right well, we got before, a few months yeah before chris yeah. loses his mind in in minnesota talking about immaturity yet again uh which he did over the weekend yet again uh yeah no i agree with you guys i think defense will get ratcheted up down the stretch especially when you've got teams battling for playoff lives or playoff positioning fighting to stay out of the play-in um but i do think it's you know, with the crazy levels of offensive efficiency that exist in this league now, with some of the yeah. individual uh, skill that's present in the in the size of the players that have that skill, I mean, you got seven-footers setting up from 22 feet with no problem and just drilling them. Um, and every team has figured out a way, especially on star-driven teams, which the best teams are, obviously, to feed those guys and feed them in the right spots on the floor and set up possessions for them, um, like Jokic in Denver, um, who, granted, has a great player to play off of in, in Murray, but, you know, Embiid it, 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 in Philly when he does play, which brings me to another point, by the way. He does not play Saturday night in a game I think we were all excited for. Um, if you're an NBA fan, you were anyway. Denver fans were clearly excited for it because they were taunting the Sixers and Embiid with chance of, where's Embiid? And nowhere to be found. Now, you can make arguments all you want about uh, maintenance and the knee and all that, but now we're starting to get to the point where the favorite for MVP might not be the favorite for MVP after all because he's going to struggle to hit that 65 game mark at the pace he's played at to this point. He's missed a quarter of the Sixers' games. He's missed 11 of the 44 games they've played. It, this, it, if, if it continues, he's not going to hit the mark. And so I think, Aaron, if you're holding an Embiid MVP ticket, I don't blame you for buying it, but you've got to start to sweat this thing and hope that as the games become more important down the stretch, there's less management of his his floor time, and they're actually using him in an attempt to maybe vault themselves up the Eastern Conference standings.
1: I would be nervous. I mean, we've talked about betting on Embiid for MVP since I've joined the show, and it's a gamble, and now even more so with the minimum. And the fact that you're going to have to do some type of load management with him because you don't want him missing games, but you're also in contention. I just think it's tricky. It's a lot. If you already bet it, you got a great number. Great, but I don't really see a case. I wouldn't be jumping in, Joe.
0: Yeah, no chance. Um, I'm, but just because of his history, and I missed out last time, but I'm never betting Embi- Embiid for MVP, and not just Bet Betmgm. Other places you look around and you see today co favorites right now two to one mm-hmm. Embiid and Jokic, and let me tell you with this uh, impressive slate that we have, we might be here tomorrow morning saying Jokic is the favorite because he's in a big spot at home. Against Milwaukee tonight. People are going to go out of their way to watch that game. Great matchup. One of, I would say, a couple tonight where if Jokic goes off, I think they're going to make him, they're going to install him as a favorite tomorrow morning ahead of Embiid.
4: Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I like SGA, who's right there as well at 350. Uh, not a ton of value at this point, but a guy who just consistently produces even on nights where his team doesn't produce around him, uh, much like Saturday. Uh, in Detroit where the Thunder came out completely and totally flat and lost to the Pistons, but SGA still puts up 30 because that's just what he does. Last half dozen games, he's got 30 a night, which brings us to tonight's slate. You've got the Bucks in Denver for Doc Rivers' debut. Um, you've got the Suns in Miami, which, by the way, the number on them playing in the Eastern time zone is terrible this year. I think they're 2-4. and four. Um, The Celtics host the Pelicans. You've got OKC in Minnesota atop the Western Conference. And you've also got Clippers, Cavs. Um, where are we looking tonight? Because i got a couple spots that I like. I kind of mentioned, uh, alluded to them there uh, in talking about what happened over the weekend. But, Joe, what, what are we looking at, at least in those half-dozen games that I think jump out and grab everyone's attention?
0: Yeah, there's a few of them that I want to talk about. I definitely want to circle back to the, the Phoenix-Miami game. Uh, but one that jumps out is Cleveland at home. As a dog against the Clippers, two and a half. I see it trending down, uh, which makes perfect sense to me, the way the Cavs have played. Uh, they're on fire as well. I know the Clippers are getting a lot of love, but you have a Cleveland squad that's won nine of their last ten. They just had a four-game road trip. They're back at home. They had the weekend off. You're giving me points at home? It, it, with Cleveland, the way they played at home too? I, I, I like Cleveland a lot, Uh in this specific spot uh, of those games that you mentioned,
1: I, I didn't look at that one. I mean, I've been uh, looking at double doubles and triple doubles, and you can still get Jokic tonight at plus one seventy five for a triple double, and he—that seems like in this type of matchup, he's going to be putting everything into that. In terms of uh, sides that I like, I looked at the uh, Kings and Memphis. Memphis has been struggling to get anything going offensively. These two teams played on uh, January 1st, and the Kings beat them by 31, spreads it like eight. I like the Kings side. I also expect um, Sabonis to get a triple-double. It's two to one. He got a triple-double the last time they played as well. And he leads the NBA in triple-doubles, even has more than Jokic at this point. Uh, So I like that. Um, But I think... Actually, I'm sorry. He leads the league in double-doubles. Sorry. It has more than Jokic, but not triple-doubles. Um, I love that. The other one I looked at is the Lakers. Anthony Davis. I'm probably going to bet the Lakers as well. Um, minus one and a half. They have beat the Rockets two out of three times this season. They won by 10 in des- early December when they last played. So I like Lakers minus one and a half. And then I'm probably going to put AD, Sabonis, Jokic. Uh, all into a parlay as well. Yeah, that, <laughs> the
0: Lakers that Lakers number, it's it's. I can't do anything now because we don't know what's going to happen. So they made LeBron questionable, AD questionable. So I guess that's that's how we get to this uh, this short number of one and a half. So yeah, we'll see yeah. what the status is <laughs> it, there. It,
1: and LeBron went off uh when they played the Warriors just going toe to toe with Steph. So maybe they want to get him some rest in this one, but I still like the Lakers considering they beat him by quite a bit the last time they played.
4: So I want to get to a couple of big ones out west in a second, but I mentioned the number on the Suns playing in the Eastern time zone. Uh yes. and it's it's they're two and four in the eastern time zone this year. One of those wins came. In Detroit back in November, make of that what you will. When the Pistons were on their record run, um, they lost in Orlando yesterday by 15. Just the third time all year they've been held under 100. They're under their games are under the total in five of their last seven. You got the Heat on a six-game losing streak. Uh, they've come under in seven of their last nine. Two ice cold teams. So I'm not looking at a side. I'm simply looking at two ice cold teams going up against each other in spots where I like the under 229 and a half in Suns heat tonight. And then, like I said, out west, uh, T-Wolves Thunder, two teams that kind of need to get their their sea legs. It, it feels like they're wobbling just a little bit. Like I said, the Thunder lose in Detroit over the weekend. SGA still had 31 in three quarters, no less. They sat him in the fourth quarter because that one was uh, out of control. And he's got 30 or more in his last six. His prop again, 31 and a half, just about everywhere you can find it. I have no problem betting that. And I have no problem laying two and a half at home with the Thunder uh, because, like I said, Finchie is still complaining about the T Wolves being immature. He did it again over the weekend with the loss in San Antonio. They're two and six against the spread in the last two weeks, one and three on the road. Their last short road dog spot, coincidentally, the day after Christmas at Oklahoma City where they lost by 23. So give me the thunder. I really like them. That's a look I have with SGA on his points prop. And then the big one that everybody's going to have an eye on tonight, Bucks in Denver, Nuggets laying three and a half, four and a half, depending where you find it. Um, Denver's won four in a row at home, coming off the win over the embedless Sixers that we talked about. The only thing that keeps me from going any direction yet in this one, Joe, is it's Doc's first game. And how we, we saw how the Bucks played in the immediate aftermath of the coaching change. Well, now Doc mm-hmm. steps in. And do they feel freed up to play like they did against New Orleans on Saturday when they go off for 141 and Giannis is on the bench in the fourth quarter snapping pictures of QR codes off the Jumbotron because uh, back-to-back free throws were missed and he wants his free wing stop. Um, you know, or do they, do they remember what this whole thing was about and actually settle in and play some defense? I think that's the most interesting thing here. Um, I don't know if everything's fixed just because they've made the coaching change. It didn't look great Friday night in Cleveland or against Cleveland, I should say. Um, but I I don't know if I can go anywhere, either direction on that yet until I see how they truly react to doc being on the bench.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Denver three and a half. I saw some sports, some spots had him as a uh, as a four point favorite. So since firing Griffin, they're two and one. You mentioned the split uh, with Cleveland there. So certainly a fascinating storyline tonight. You, you know something else. You you mentioned Phoenix and Miami, how they're both heading in the wrong direction, and mm-hmm. you know Phoenix. This is a third game in four nights, so it's a it's a tough spot, which, which might be why. The team that's lost six in a row is favored by three and a half at home in Miami. We're talking about Booker, and it wasn't a one-game deal where he goes off for 63. Like, look at the last few. He is just – the numbers are insane. They're one and two in these games where he's scoring 40-plus. KD, hmm. 20, 15, 20, and 12 the last three games. Jeez. So the prop is way down. I don't think that's going to continue, guys. KD over 23 and a half. This number's usually around 30.
4: Yeah, they do not not look good. And, again, that's why I like that under, I think, in Miami tonight. BetQL Daily is presented by BetMGM. Listen to us on your Odyssey app and get ready because next it's a let's go or hell no. We got questions. Lamar, Dan Campbell, and more coming up on BetQL Daily.
3: We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by (laughs)
4: BetMVM on the BetQL Network.
3: QL Daily, presented by Bet MGM from BetQL. Oh, hell no!
2: Oh, hell no! Oh, hell no! Oh, hell no! Or... Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go.
4: Welcome back in for a... Day after the conference championship games edition of BetQL Daily here live coast to coast on the BetQL network and wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's free. Download it today. Take us with you. Of course, you know, you can tell your smart speaker as well, play BetQL and you know it will happen. It'll usually listen. At least the one in our kitchen usually does. The one in the living room doesn't like me and never does what I ask it to do or just gives me the wrong answer. That's a story for a different day. I'm Chris Mack, alongside Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. We welcome you back in on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash betql to watch the show. And it's time for Let's Go or Hell No. Hmm. I have a feeling these may lean heavily towards conference championship weekend, but let's start... Paul, what do you got? First item up on "Let's Go" or "Hell No."
6: So this is sometimes with these. I obviously, you know, I have my own self-interest. Like perhaps I'm holding a Christian McCaffrey six-to-one MVP sometimes. ticket, so it's more confirmation bias. You guys, by the way, you'll be happy to know I've already been in the golf lab for the uh, for Pebble Beach this week, so we'll get to that uh, probably tomorrow Wednesday. But if CMC has yesterday's game in the Super Bowl that is 20 carries, 90 yards, two touchdown two touchdowns kind of the key, four receptions for 42 yards as well. If that box score, just take the entire box score from yesterday's mm-hmm. 49ers game, they win the game. Does he win the Super Bowl MVP and if not, who does? <sighs>
0: yeah,
4: Anyone I I mean I think he does. He's he's got he's the only guy with multiple touchdowns on a day he, I understand it's a quarterback award, and that's going to be a very important thing we repeat over the next two weeks. MVP is usually a quarterback award, but when your quarterback (laughs) goes for two sixty-seven and a touchdown and an interception, I don't know if Brock Purdy is the sexy MVP pick when they're walking around the press box, asking for votes in the fourth quarter, it's going to be the guy who's got two touchdowns. The guy who's got nearly Mm a hundred yards on the ground and, What, 130 total yards from scrimmage? I think that exact box score from last night, Aaron, that's that's a Christian McCaffrey MVP performance right there.
1: I think if the Niners win the Super Bowl, it's because CMC has a stat line like this and he will win it. That's just how I see it. If they're going to win it, he's going to have to have at least two touchdowns and have a big game, and it'll be his award, Joe.
0: Do they win that game without CMC yesterday? Uh, He didn't have the moment. The moment belonged to Ayuk, but Ayuk's not winning that award. And then he kind of split the difference because Debo had a ton of catches. So you're not going with a receiver. I guess because Purdy only had one touchdown, it goes to CMC. But... Man, because of what he did with his legs, I think it was around 50 rushing yards too. If Purdy has more throwing touchdowns, then I think he has a chance. But if it's at one, yeah. In this situation, it's going to CMC. Okay. That, so that would be the first time since Terrell Davis, running back, won the Super Bowl MVP? That's a long really? time. Wow. I believe so. We've seen receivers win it lately, but it's been a long time since a running backs won it.
6: I do think like CMC is like, and similar with Gibbs, when you have the draft conversation, the Lions got a ton of crap for taking them as early as they did. These, these two guys and guys like that are more weapons. They at least blur the line between receiver and running back. They're not, you know, Gus Edwards, who was never seen yesterday, you know, where you hand the ball off. It's just like, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. So that could be interesting. Personally, I hope if that's the case. It is CMC. Uh, So, other game, other conference. Hot take here. Let's go or hell no, Lamar will never <laughs> win a Super Bowl. Ooh. Aaron, let's go. To, let's go. Let's go to the Super <laughs> for Aaron's take.
1: That that was. I saw that and I was like, wow, we're going there. They've got to figure out. So maybe they don't. I was thinking about it. I. You're going to be an MVP quarterback like Lamar is, arguably. He's won it before. Um, Do you need more weapons at the receiver position to win the Super Bowl? We've seen Mahomes struggling with his weapons this year, and now here he is, right? That's a tough one. I just don't know if they're ever going to get Lamar the help that he needs, you know, offensively, the weapons. I'm going to say no. I'm gonna say no.
0: Is it is it about the help he needs, or is it about Lamar? I think that's exactly. Up for I
1: think the two get hand in hand because if you're that good, you don't need that help. And I think See, he I, does. I, I
4: I think I think he can be that good. I think he can be MVP Lamar and still need better weapons around him. And I think that's the key here is their defense. If you look is other than Patrick Queen, um, I think, you know, Matabike and Clowney are both unrestricted as well. Um, for the most part, their defense is intact. They don't have to go out this year and do too much work on the defensive side, personnel-wise. This offseason, especially if they lose a coordinator, I guess maybe you could argue that it gets heightened on the defensive side. But I, I think this offseason for the Ravens has to be about putting those weapons in place ask lamar who he wants ask lamar what would make what would help him in spots like where he's throwing into triple coverage in the end zone in the fourth quarter of the conference championship game i think he will get there eventually i think they've got to do more they've still the, building around him on offense has been a multi-year thing now and they still haven't hit <laughs> on the right formula they missed mark andrews the entire second half of the season or so and only got him back as sort of a partial piece yesterday They're starting to do it. They've got the tight ends in place. That's good. Go find this man a receiver or two he can really trust and maybe a solid 1A running back. they got a bunch of random pieces. They need to find some guys who can own the game on days when Lamar doesn't have his best day.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that about the tight ends because that's a common thread that we saw in the four teams, right? They all have their tight end in place. Kelsey, Kittle, laporta and then the ravens are actually fourth when you look at that position so i wonder if that's a sign of things to come a lot of times uh we want to believe or some people want to believe that one game will rewrite an entire narrative and that one game is people were jumping on that houston one houston wasn't even supposed to be there right and oh oh lamar's demons and the playoffs are all gone Mm, i don't know we have six postseason games And we have an interception in five of them. He has a quarterback rating, not to be all end all. But his quarterback rating is 80 or higher in one of those six playoff games. And then after yesterday, and that happened, I don't know. And I'm not sure that it's all about Lamar How I'm going to say let's go. He does not win a Super Bowl. He does not. There are a lot of great quarterbacks. That's a tough road in the AFC and he's he's winning the MVPs, but is he going to rattle off consecutive great performances in the playoffs? I'll say no.
1: Or even stay healthy, you know? I mean, yep. he was able to stay healthy this season, but, like, obviously I don't wish anything like that. But it's just putting things in perspective. Maybe he gets to a Super Bowl, but it's just so hard to even get there. To win one, he's only 27. Still got some time, but uh, it's. He's it's probably tough.
0: gonna have to beat that guy yesterday. He's probably oh, gonna have to beat oh, Allen yeah. too. You or know? Burrow. And yeah, he's healthy. Burrow, or, you know, that's the thing. Or Stroud. Herbert, Herbert with
6: Harbaugh. Ooh. Like, what's
0: that gonna yeah, look like?
1: Stroud.
6: Yeah, I'm. I'm a let's go. He's not winning one. I would have loved to see a healthy I Lamar, healthy Andrews. But you could not have asked for a better run defense to go against when your entire identity is running the ball and you didn't do it. And so, yeah, yeah, I think they might have missed their shot at home, by the way, too. Yeah. All right. uh, Let's go or hell no. i was sneaking some college hoops before this last one. Blind betting, uh, a couple of conference home dogs and college hoops versus top teams today. Texas plus five. Houston at home. Va Tech plus three against Duke. Yeah. System Mm. plays. So yeah, saw it over the weekend again, Auburn three and a half point favorite on the road at uh Mississippi state and they lose,
4: you know, we, what we I might like this, this. For weeks.
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: I think it, it's, it's a total hold your nose play. Like, you know what? I don't like the idea of betting against Duke in this spot or betting against Houston in this spot, but yeah, it, it's. Your, it, it, this is what the numbers tell us to do. I ranted and raved about numbers earlier, Joe, but sometimes numbers <laughs> do tell us to do smart things, and this is the smart thing, I think.
0: Well, this is more of a situational play. Like, it, it's tough in conference mm. to go on a on the road and win in, in that sort of uh, raucous environment. A team that knows you well, like it, actually makes kind of makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Now, w- blind bet when we have an overreaction like we'll point that out but as far as this situation today let's go i I'm, I'm for it let's blind bet these home dogs in conference
1: i'm all for it too the other thing i was thinking maybe would it make sense to also look at like a first half under something like that like playing kind of you know a lot of defense or a little slower start um but i love it Love me a good situational or system play, if you will.
6: <laughs> I think I'm there on one out of two. Because I did look at the numbers as well. And, like, I can make a case for vatech and their shooting. And Duke's yeah, defense the Houston is just one's okay. Tough. The Houston yeah. one's tough. Texas defense tough. is really bad. We're a big horns down show. So, uh, <laughs>
1: that's,
0: that's going <gonna> <laughs> oh, really right? to be a big horns down. How about that over the t-shirt. weekend? Uh, what is that? Yes. So soft. Come
4: on. mutt. I like the theory that that's a play by BYU and their administrators to make Texas look even worse. That somebody in the BYU athletic department was like, "No, tell those kids they have to take the shirts off because Texas doesn't like it," and then you just paint Texas in an even worse light. Like, man, we thought they were soft before, but whoo, they're soft, soft. Like S A W W F F F soft, Charmin um so I, I like that theory that that conspiracy theory that byu played it all up on purpose
6: like it all right so this last one we're gonna save we're gonna save we got two weeks until the super bowl it could be a beverage at your super bowl party but a flavored seltzer i feel like there's one of these every year but we'll we'll save it we'll save it for for later but it's a okay. someone got a little too creative think of your favorite super bowl you know, one of your favorite Super Bowl snacks, meals, and put it in seltzer form, and we'll get to it at some point. And I, I, I looked at the notes.
4: I, this is this is a – we'll, yeah, we'll save it. I've got heartburn already just from reading it. Uh, BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM <laughs> alongside Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. I'm Chris Mack. Coming up next, more top ten upsets on the road. You heard Paul allude to a couple of these, and what do we expect tonight? We dive into college hoops and grander scale next right here on the betql network